How do you rise to the occasion? How do you adapt to situations that are uncomfortable? And I think that's the biggest thing is that adaptability feature of being able to make yourself comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Hey folks, welcome back. This is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Got a super cool guest I'll introduce in a moment. Uh, this is... Um, if you're listening on iTunes, obviously you're listening just the audio, but we also have a video, so you can find that at unbeatablemind.com. Uh, soon you'll be able to find it at my markdivine.com website, which will be launching in a few weeks. Uh, so I'm excited about that because I'll be getting my personal blog going again and um, doing a lot of work from that platform. Now, reminding you about our Burpees for Vets Challenge. Uh, we're nearing 10 million burpees committed. Our goal is 22, so still need help. I've been cranking away 300 a day. I was with some of our teammates, our newly minted Unbeatable Mind coaches yesterday who just finished their year-long certification program, and several of them have joined me in committing to 100,000 burpees, and we're just commenting how equally horrible and awesome it's been, right, to have that level of commitment, right? I mean, the commitment has been awesome. The daily facing 300 burpees every day when you wake up has been both horrible and awesome. And we'll talk about that with our <laughs> guest. It's just been a really interesting process. So I'm, uh, I've passed 50,000. Amazing. Yeah, 50,000. So I'm on my way to 100,000. I'll hit it probably by the end of November, but I'm going to keep going until December 30th. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> and then our big challenge we were talking about is what comes after that? I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a significant one. And so I'm, we're not sure how we're going to beat that next year. We don't need to beat it, but it's got to be something serious. And having the why behind it of yes, helping yeah. vets who are suffering from post-traumatic stress and suicidal, I mean, it, it makes the suffering pale in comparison. So burpeesforvets.com if you want to help us out. We had a high school recently where their football team did as many burpees as they could in, um, I don't know what the time frame was, but they ended up doing 50,000 burpees themselves. Wow. Uh, raised $7,000. It's amazing. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. So there's a lot of ways you can participate, folks. And we need your help. Um, we need a team. Can't do this alone. Also, a new copy, the, the, late, the new edition, latest, <laughs> the latest and newest edition, there's only two, of my book, The Way of the Seal, is now available. And if you order it at the way of the seal, or sorry, wayoftheseal.com, we've put together like a 45-page PDF of all the exercises in the book, which is really, really helpful. If you liked, a lot of people have shown me their copy of The Way of the Seal over the years, and it's all dog-eared and underlined and, you know, marked up because they use it as a training manual. And now uh, there is a way to just print that out and have all those exercises available as you go through things like developing your front side focus and your plan, your ethos, and your five mountain integrated training plan. Waythesealed.com, you can get that PDF. You can also order some bulk copies. So we have discounted pricing. Much, I think it's much better pricing than if you try to do that at like Amazon. And I've added two new chapters, uh, Leading an Accelerated or VUCA Environment and The Secrets of Elite Teams. And I've edited it and it's, it's just awesome. Well, I don't say that from an ego point of view, hopefully. I think it's awesome. <laughs> hopefully you do too. All right. My guest today is, oh man, I'm going to blow it because my phone is like someone's trying to call and I can't see my guest's full name, which I was going to try not to blow. Har- Har- Har Singh? Harinder Singh. <laughs> I know I'd do it. Okay. Harinder Singh, yes, sir. Sabarwal, yes, and easily uh, much easier if we call him Sifu Singh. <laughs> yeah, much easier. 
Definitely. Harinder Singh. I don't know why I find that. My, my, my stupid mouth is... It's like, a tongue twister. It's a tongue twisting one. Harinder Singh. Where, is, where did that come from? It's from India originally. Is it? Yeah, I was born in India. Born in India. And uh, migrated to Canada. And, um, and then came to California to play NCAA tennis. And no kidding. Do my engineering degree. Yeah. Now I've been here in California longer than ever. So I guess I'm really a Californian now. Did your parents come over to work for a tech uh, company? Uh, no, my, my dad was in shipping. Um, he was a sea captain and oh. in the merchant marines. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to uh, Toronto, Canada. And that's where I grew up. And then um, I had a tennis scholarship to go to University of California, Davis. Oh, cool. And uh, did my engineering degree, computer and electrical. Mm-hmm. And during the dot-com boom days. Yeah. And so that's how I got here. Yeah, that's cool. So Sifu Singh, and you can know, uh, if you're involved at all in the martial arts, you know that title means master or teacher. Right? So Sifu Singh is a martial arts master. He runs a number, a big program in Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's. The art that he kind of spawned and brought into the world, Jeet Kune Do, we can talk about that. He's got over 50 schools and Run, and he trains all the teachers for the schools and uh, holds them to a very high standard. And what's great about the way Sifu Singh teaches is very, very much in alignment with Unbeatable Mind in that it's not just about the tactical movements of learning how to fight. It's all about developing mental, emotional, and spiritual awareness. It's everything. Right? It's the whole package. Sure. Integration. Absolutely, man. We're beings, right? That's right. We're whole (laughs) beings. We're not just doings and we're not partial. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I love the martial arts. We can kind of start here. I love the martial arts because they're an early example of a methodology or a path that with the right teacher, like I, we were talking about my early experiences with Kaichu Nakamura. That's the Japanese grandmaster who was, I call him a Zen master masquerading as a karate instructor. So he had the whole package too hard physical training, teamwork, sitting in silence on the bench, cultivating your mind, adding context through his little Dharma talks. Like, what does it all mean? How do we tie it together? What are the values? And so it became this, this integrated training that we could follow. And as we trained and evolved, we, we know we could see evidence of it playing out through the accountability and the, the way that, you know, First degree black belts acted versus third versus sixth versus seventh, eighth, ninth. And um, it's very inspiring as a young guy for me to see that because I hadn't seen anything like that. Everything else in our society was all just kind of loosey goosey. You know, uh, you might have had a good value system from your family or your church or your community, but it's just as likely that it was a hodgepodge lodge of, you know, some good, some pretty crappy. And and so people are today are just still kind of scrambling to try to figure out context and meaning and to live a powerful life because there's just so much junk out there so much negativity so much distraction and so many flawed belief systems masquerading as yeah. as the truth but in a martial arts a really good martial arts system led by an aware or started and hopefully the lineage kept up by an aware master who had done the work and when you do what i mean by doing the work is that internal work yeah when you do the internal work of, of meditation, concentration, awareness, development, then you see things more clearly. You see truth more clearly, and you're able to transmit that. Absolutely. What do you think about that? Does that uh, re- resonate with your whole experience? Of yeah. Martial arts? I mean, um, you know, if you think about it, everybody from the outside looks at martial arts as like punching and kicking right. and grappling. And yeah. nowadays, I never looked at it like that. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know what I mean? Or now there's just MMA and UFC, and they pump everything together. Right. But really, what is it? It's a journey of self-discovery. 
right. you know, discovering the cause of your own ignorance right. and, and figuring out who you are. You know, that question of who you are, I mean, martial arts is what's led me to it. Sure. You know? And to truly understand who you are so you're grounded in that and knowing what are your strengths, your weaknesses, how you deal with opportunities and threats. Mm-hmm. And how do you rise to the occasion? How do you adapt to situations that are uncomfortable? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is that adaptability feature of being able to make yourself comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Right. Absolutely. Well, a lot of people say, well, I had, you know, a lot of that in sports. And I, I, when I hear that, you know, of course, I don't want to challenge them, right? Because that's their belief system. Yes. Or, you know, there, and there is a lot of good stuff in sports that can have some similarity to a martial arts, but they're not the same. What do you think is missing from the typical Western, you know, athlete's developmental path, so to speak, that, uh, that exists in a martial tradition, a good martial tradition. So I think that, you know, the best coaches, the really good ones, they do kind of overlap a lot with the martial traditions. But I think in a general sense, what's maybe missing is that, um, the cultivation, if you look at the side of stillness, mm-hmm. you know, looking at that, the, the, the Western mindset in sports is more about bigger, stronger, faster, right. And about winning, <laughs> about winning and you must win. And when you think about winning, and you're focused only solely on winning, that's like one of the diseases of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. To be focused only on victory. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at the more martial arts aspect is investing in loss. Mm-hmm. You invest in loss. You put yourself through the chaos over and over again. Mm-hmm. You get dropped seven times. You get up to eighth mm-hmm. time. Um, that's very important to that perseverance that it builds and develops and investing in losing. Like we are talking earlier about, um, you know, in Tai Chi, holding a stance yeah. and how powerful that really is. But you're investing in this loss of time and loss of everything, but you're just going in deeper and deeper and deeper. And you wouldn't think from a Western standpoint that standing still for an hour in one spot is going to make you a better athlete. Right. You know, it maybe doesn't make that, that kind of connection. But that stillness that you cultivate in that, you know, there's like three levels of stillness. Mm-hmm. There's stillness and stillness. Mm-hmm. Then there's stillness and movement. Mm-hmm. And then there's stillness and movement in the chaos, which you know so well from your right. SEAL background. Right. right? And But that, that cultivation of those three things. So first, we can't be still in the chaos. Yeah, some people try to start at that end of the spectrum. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't. You, you got to start with the baby steps. Right. Can we first just sit here and be still? Yeah, that's why people. a lot of people mistake. They think, oh, you know, a life of a internal work is all sitting on a meditation bench. And uh, that's where you start. Yes. And then even that, you start by just counting your breath, which yes. is doing something. There's movement, right? Your mind is moving. Yes. This is why people think, well, I can't meditate. Well, it's because you haven't, like, followed the process. Yes. You start by learning to focus. Yes. What are we focusing on? It doesn't matter. Just do. Focus on one, one thing. thing. And then when you can stabilize your concentration on that one thing, now we can go to the next step, you know, yeah. we should be beginning to witness. And that's where mindfulness comes in. But people haven't learned to stabilize their brain. Yeah. Well, they're but living- then you get off the bench and to try to find that, yes. that focus. You have to go crawl, walk, run again. Where's the focus in the movement? Yes. And then can I do the witnessing where I'm constantly, you know, the Buddhists call that the simultaneous mind. Yeah. Can you and watch yourself? Can you watch yourself yeah. and, and then begin to curate the quality and the directionality of your thinking? Good. Now, get on the map. Let's get into it. Get into it. And now now you bring a totally different version of yourself to the game. You know, I think like what you had mentioned with meditation, when I'm giving talks or I'm talking to people, I'm saying, hey, always ask the room, how many people have tried meditation? And um, everybody raises their hand. And they say, how many people have succeeded? There's like two hands out of 100 still up, right? Right. And And, and they're usually kidding themselves. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? You're like, well, did you really? But um, but the thing is that you know um, we live in this society where our thoughts are running so yeah. predominantly, like thousands of thoughts a day. How can you expect to go from thousands of thoughts a day right. to nothing to the no mind? It's not you know practical, right? and, and that's and really that, you know people don't realize that. Our brains simply weren't wired for the amount of information that's being thrown at us today. I read somewhere recently and said that a human being now takes in more information in one week. That could be off on that. Maybe it's two weeks. It doesn't really matter. Taking more information in one week than you did in an entire lifetime 100 yeah. years ago. That makes total sense. It's like just massive crush of information. And your brain, if you haven't taught yourself on how to like declutter and, and focus and find your way through, then it's just this overwhelm and it leads to some, some form of insanity or imbalance. You know? Definitely. And so Definitely. We, need, we need these practices to get back to our center. You know that saying, if your mind is not at ease, it's in a state of dis-ease. And then that's where all disease comes from, right? All disease comes from the energy yeah. of the mind. And stagnation. you think, right? Yeah. So how did you get involved in the martial arts? Give us a little bit of your backstory. Um, I was six years old when I started. I started also in karate, in Washington Ryu Karate, mm -hmm. and um, did that from six to 19. And then um, I went off to the University of California, played, focused on tennis mm -hmm. while I was in Davis. And um, what ended up happening when I was graduating, we went to a bonfire, a graduation bonfire in Ocean Beach, California, up in Northern California. Sure. Um, and uh, we were late. So we were the last group to arrive, myself and five of my friends. Everybody else is uh, celebrating. Exams are done. So they're down, you know, on the beach about 100 yards away. And we're in the parking lot. And you know that saying, bad things happen to you when you least expect it. And you're having a good time. Right. right? <laughs> so we crack open a few beers. Hey, we survived another year. Cheers. And literally out of the darkness, out of nowhere, 25 local gangsters came. They were, oh, yeah. And they were looking for someone. Right. My roommate who was standing on my left, happened to look like one of the people that they were looking for. And it was mistaken identity. It was one of those moments. And literally, they approached. And as they approached, a guy to my right was smoking a cigarette. And the, the, their leader or the voice guy asked him, hey, uh, can I borrow a cigarette? And the moment he asked to borrow a cigarette, boom, they were on it. They grabbed him, took him to the center, made a formation. Okay. So they fought in a formation. So they had a plan. And that was the first time that, you know, that fight or flight really hit me. I mean, we've been in the dojo, mm -hmm. been in sparring in, in, in that environment, but not, not like this, not yeah. like this kind of even one-on-one -on -one street fights here and there growing up as a kid, but not like not this. 25 against five. Not 25. And they were, they were on something. You could see it in their eyes. They were just not with it. They were not there and they didn't care. And, and then it started right there. I had to make the decision. That was my friend. I need to do something. But the thing was, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I did nothing heroic that day. The guy, there's a guy at a two by four. He swung. I went up and I blocked, just reacted. And I started to run and they're chasing me. So there's a group beating on him and a group chasing me around the car. So it looked much like a, a football game. Everybody <laughs> trying to tackle me. It wasn't like right. in a Kung Fu movie where they're going to come one at a time. Right. And what's going through your mind at that time? Now that was when I experienced the, the coolest feeling. Right. Where everything slowed down. Yeah. And. Everything was moving. Like I wasn't scared. I wasn't afraid. But it just slowed down. It just was moving like I was in the matrix. Did you have a sense that if you could just isolate these people one at a time, you could just... You know, at that time, it, I couldn't even... That didn't there was no go tactical thinking. Yeah, there was no tactical thinking at that point to me. Mm -hmm. I just experienced the zone. Yeah. I clicked into some natural uh, survival instinct of mine, and everything slowed down, and I was just moving. And it was, everything was moving really slowly. It was like this perfect chaos. Yeah. It was kind of it, but I didn't know what to do. 
and divine intervention. Isn't that uh, crazy? After after how many years of karate experience? I, I tell you, I had the same experience yeah. where, you know, I had a black belt and I got tackled and choked out, yeah. and I'm like, how could that be? Yeah, and it's because I didn't. I never really learned how to fight. Never really did outside in that chaotic environment. In the chaos, you know, outside, where people don't care. Right when it's not just a hey, yeah. you know, sparring match. And yeah. it's just there's no referees. There's no senseis. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody That's to right. help you. Right. And um, and that, that was the first day that I experienced that. And it was divine intervention. We got saved because the two guys just happened to walk by. The ones they were looking for. The ones they were looking for. Oh. And they forgot about <laughs> they just us. peeled off and went after them. Just left us there. And, and then I left from there. And that was the day I left. And I was just like, man, I've been doing this karate for like all these years. And so big blow to the ego. Of course. Lots of shame. Lots of anger. Right, I was just consumed, and I said, "Man, I'm never gonna let this kind of thing happen to me again." And and that anger really, really, what took over for me. And uh, so you, you know, use that anger. I used as I, a determination factor to get definitely. Training. I did, and then um, you know, I graduated, so then I got a great engineering job, and I had all the money in the world. So now I was like, okay, I'm just gonna train, and I'm gonna find the best masters in the world that I could. And then uh, the first two that I got, one was um, a gentleman by the name of Paul Vudak. Uh, he helped uh, the first hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat program that was uh, SEAL Team 6. Went and okay. What was the name? Paul Vudak. I knew Paul. Yeah, yeah, I know about him. Yeah. yeah. And um, at the same time, I went to a Tai Chi master because, okay, you're going to laugh. I wanted to learn the death touch. I was so pissed off. I was like, I, I need <laughs> <Death> <laughs> It's crazy as the <laughs> listeners, you guys hear it. Yeah, this is true, man. I can't make it up. I wanted to learn the death touch. And um, I was like, but who's going to teach me the death touch? Nobody's going to teach me. And so I got every book on it as possible, right? And, um, and you start to see the meridians and the points and all this. I said, hmm, I'm just going to enroll in medical Qigong because right. nobody's going to actually teach it to me. And so I went into it uh, to learn the death touch, but ended up learning the healing hand, my, my teacher, through the process, which was really cool. You, you learn to, to look at your emotions. You learn mm -hmm. to balance them, to clear them out, mm -hmm. to forgive your attacker. And then mm -hmm. out comes the other end, this guy going totally nuts, kill Bill, wanting to like do the death touch to the healing hand. Now I'm doing energy work and I've like cleared myself and my own energy. Nice. And uh, it was like two paths. There was that. And then the other side, which was the, the extreme violence of what to do mm -hmm. with the Jeet Kune Do and then uh, learning from my teacher. And then eventually I took over for him. And went on a fund my own. And as I did, uh, got more experience with law enforcement, police, uh, special forces, SWAT, Secret Service, mm -hmm. various agencies. And um, just kept building it and building it from there and training that side, the mm -hmm. killer instinct side. Mm -hmm. And the consciousness and side. Cultivating the consciousness. And, and together, it, um, I'm here now. Yeah, that's terrific. Hey, folks. Mark here. Listen up. I've got a secret weapon for you to make your working out and training more efficient and to get better results and faster. It's called the Halo Sport, and I love this tool. Simply put, training with a Halo Sport allows you to develop your muscle memory faster. The headset applies electrostimulation to your brain's motor cortex to induce a temporary state of hyperlearning. How cool is that? That means you're going to get better results faster from anything that you do where you need to learn by moving, such as your SilFit wad, martial arts training, yoga, tai chi, or even running. Now, I interviewed Halo's CEO, Dr. Daniel Chow, a while back, and I was really impressed by his team and this underlying technology. 
the science of transcranial direct current stimulation or TDCS, which has over 15 years of scientific and military research behind it. I now personally use Halo Sport for many of my high intensity wads and when I do my Tai Chi training where I'm trying to learn some new form. When I train my movements with the Halo Sport, I do learn faster and I get more precision and I feel I can perform more aggressively. Halo Sport's already being used extensively in the military special operations communities. And from my SEAL friends, I've heard that they get great results. It's also used by many pro athletes, Olympians, and thousands of lifelong athletes just like you and I. So in my mind, Halo Sport is the ideal training tool for those like you who want to exceed your training goals. To learn more about the Halo Sport, go to haloneuro.com. That's H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com. And you can use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND at checkout to get this awesome product for $475, which is $275 off of the retail price. Again, haloneuro.com. Use the code UNBEATABLEMIND. You won't be disappointed. This is a great tool. All right, let's get back to the show. Hoo ya. Uh, Juke, Juke, Kindo. Jeet Kundo. Jeet Kundo. Yes. I had it backwards. Jeet Kundo was, uh, what does that stand for? The way of the intercepting fist. Interesting. The way of the intercepting fist. And as you said, that the image of Bruce Lee intercepting, you know, and doing this really rapid hand movement and then striking. Interception. That was interesting. So Bruce Lee founded Jeet Kundo. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because he didn't have a whole lot of time to develop it, did he? Because he got killed. Very, at a very young age. And so what was it about the art that allowed it to survive and, and to, um, you know, be such a powerful force if he only put it out there for a few years? I think that, that um, one of the key things... Simplicity, that, probably, right? It is the simplicity because what he said is JKD is simply to simplify. Nice. So with that simplicity, you know, he studied 26 different arts. He took elements from 26 different arts, not equally. So one art he may have taken a philosophy. From another art, he may have taken a, a, a technique. Mm-hmm. And so different arts he put together, and he really studied and researched them. Like he was a genius at that mm-hmm. time, especially at that time frame. Here we're talking in the 60s, and he's advocating grappling and, and, and um, you know, all the things that you're seeing in the UFC, whereas mm-hmm. the regular stand-up martial arts weren't really thinking right. about that realm at that time. Um, but it, what he really did was he conceptualized it to find the truth, the common thread amongst all arts. Mm-hmm. And... But Jeet Kune Do, the way of the intercepting fist at the highest level, really what it's about is perception and awareness. So if I can intercept my opponent, so I can intercept them first uh, on their technique, but then if I can make myself more aware and more in the moment and the feeling there, then I can in- intercept them on intention. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I can go even beyond that and intercept the situation before it even happens. And so... It's interesting the, the commonality between the word perception and interception. Yes. Both of them require perception. Yes. Which is awareness. Which is awareness. Perception precedes yeah. uh, interception. Yeah, and that's the key thing. And that's where the stillness comes in, what you were talking about earlier. So, you know, and, and Jeet Kune Do, the other thing about it is it's an art where you're looking at all five ranges of empty hand combat. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the kicking, the punching, mm-hmm. and the trapping, which was very unique from the Wing Chun Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And then you have the stand up grappling, mm-hmm. and then you have the ground grappling. And then now we also incorporate weapons. So things like uh, 
edged and blunt weapons. So a lot of what I work with, like law enforcement, military mm -hmm. stuff, is all edge weapon stuff. Right. Um, and and that becomes easy well. once you've mastered the other five because the, the weapon just an extension of your hand. It is. And it is. It and allows you to apply some leverage and yeah. force in different ways. And the, so the, the Chinese teach the weapon last, but the Filipinos, I teach Filipino Kali, teach the weapon first. Interesting. So they teach the weapon first. So there's a concept called defanging the snake, for right. example. And uh, if I have a blade and you have a blade, if you were to strike at me, I should cut your hand instead of going to a head or vital port target. I have more range and I've defanged the snake. Now you don't have a weapon anymore. Right. And then I can follow up, finish or let the snake go, as it right. says. Um, but, uh, and then that applies to everything else. The weapon creates the attributes of first thing I actually do is start people off with knife spine. Because as soon as you've got a knife or, you know, even a training blade in your hand and you start moving around, it brings out that athletic cat-like movement. There's no time to think, should I step here? Should I step there? Should I do that? Mm -hmm. you, you're moving much more naturally, much right. more athletically. And it doesn't take as much of a, the power is not necessary because it's a blade. So mm -hmm. even a woman can be just as deadly mm -hmm. with a blade as a, as a man can. And um, it starts to develop attributes. Interesting. And attributes are the real secret to martial arts anyways. Yeah. Timing, spatial relationship, sensitivity, um, right. footwork, distancing, things like right. that. Yeah. What does a typical training uh, session look like for your clients? Um, so I have different clients. Some come to me for fitness. Others come for mindset. Okay. Others come for martial arts. Okay. But the ultimate is to have it all. The integration. Is the integration. You're talking about yeah. I tried to do that with yeah. Seal Fit. I had the yeah. I had the functional fitness gym and then I had the yoga studio slash mind gym. And then I had the mat room and we had this variety of classes. And so the ideal athlete, the ideal person, ideal training model would be, you know, I'm going to do three, three of the functional fitness classes and I'm, I'm going to do three or four of the yoga and yes. meditation classes and then two or three of the martial arts classes. But ultimately two things. One is um, that's still disintegrated. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. And one of the reasons that I created Kokoro Yoga is because I had had that experience too. In fact, I had, I had a CrossFit, this is before I started. One of the reasons I started SealFit was because I wanted to integrate, but I had trouble doing it, let's just say. Because when I tried to do it, I had, I had them in separate spaces as separate programs that I asked people to do all three. Which was sort of like what I was doing beforehand, but all three required me to have three different memberships at three different yes. types of studios each with a different schedule that conflicted and it was, it was very hard to do. And so I said, one way to do that is to put them all in one place, which sounds like what you have. But then the ultimate way to do that is put them all into one training, into session. One training session. And yeah. so that's what we've been working on with Kokori. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what I do with uh, most of my guys that come through because it's gotta be, um, so the, the knife sparring, let's say, or the martial art aspect brings out the killer instinct, right. the, the meditation, the mind boxing, the Tai Chi brings in, brings out the stillness, right? The kettlebells and the body weight exercises bring out the, the physicality of it, right. right? And then when you put that whole beast together, you have something that's created that is so different because you hit, hit the entire human being yeah. on all aspects, right? right? The fight and flight gets mm -hmm. exercised and fluidity and flow. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like to look at it that way. So we get the fight and flight going and develop the fluidity and flow together gives us freedom, you right. know? And um, fitness then is just an end product, right? And we were talking about the um, one of the highest forms of Tai Chi was just to follow the symbol, the symbol being the yin-yang symbol. Yes. And you know, most people listening to this have an idea what that is. But if you don't, just imagine a circle 
with kind of a, a, a snaky or wavy line. An S in it. An yeah. S, right. Yeah. That's the yang represents action. It represents the male or dominant, you know, activity. So that's like that energy of, you know, CrossFit workout or fight. You know, it's very yang. Mm. The yin represents more feminine, surrender, reception, receptivity, uh, internal focus. And so that is a train through the yoga and the tai chi, qigong, stillness. Yes. What a lot of people, so the, the symbol is trying to represent that the two are always, you know, in conflict, but also in balance. Yes. And as you develop yourself, you go, you know, the ideal training system will have you go back and forth between yin and yang, yin and yang, until the ranges between the back and forth start to narrow to where ultimately you're riding the line yes. between the yin and yang. And that's where you have stillness and action. Yes, sir. That, that center point, that line, right? And then over time, that line becomes a point. Yeah, because it's about and the change. point could be represented as the now moment. Yes. In the now moment, the ultimate reality is there for you. Yes. And whether you're in a fight, sitting on a bench, driving your car. <laughs> right here, right now, man. Right that's, right now. that's what it's about. You know, the, the present moment is, is talked about a lot. You know, it's uh, the rage in all the books, and, which is a good thing that it's yeah. actually out there now. But it's something that's, that's very easy to conceptualize with kind of hard to really actually achieve. Difficult. Very, you know, right, until all of a sudden when you begin to perceive it, you realize it wasn't hard all along. No, because it was there. You just made it hard. It was yeah. always there. It was always there. It's such a conundrum. You yeah. Know? That's why it's, they say it's a paradox. Yeah. What you think is real ends up being opposite. Yeah. You know, so what I love about great martial arts training is it's like opposite day. Yeah. You get in there and you realize that the reality that you thought was real was, is actually unreal. Yeah. And the, you know, what you thought was unreal is actually real. And when you start to live from that place. <laughs> that's just that one, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, it's that change. Right. It's the constant change between one and the other because in the Tai Chi, the change between the yin and the yang is the still point. Right. The the point between the future and the past is the now. Is the, now. The, the point between the inhale and the exhale is the still of right now. Right. So if we can train ourselves to go there, I mean, the thing is like, the moment we become aware of a thought, for example, that moment we're still. Right. That might be for like a millisecond, two seconds till the next thought comes, but you experience the moment. And and we just have to train it that way. And that's why I kind of like to call it like, you know, you look at meditation and we've heard mindfulness and all that, but it's a boxing match with your mind mm -hmm. is where it's really got to start because we are, like you said, bombarded with so mm -hmm. many thoughts and so mm -hmm. much stimulus mm -hmm. that, hey, to get back to that still point, we have to retrain this monkey in our mind, right? There's, there's some, you know, as people, some people call it a drunk monkey, and monkey sometimes monkey. what do they call it? I've heard it's a double-fisted drunk monkey for some people. You gotta grab the monkey by the tail, <laughs> slam him down a few times. Yeah, you know, I love yeah. the metaphor of uh, I use it a lot. Of um, your mind is like a untrained stallion. Yes. like it's beautiful, it's freaking powerful, and it will kill you if you get too close. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But when you train the stallion, it's still beautiful. It's still powerful. Yes. But you can ride that sucker for, you know, for 40 miles an hour, for hundreds of miles, yeah. and it'll be happy. As now it becomes your workhorse. It becomes your horse. Yeah, your, your, it becomes yours. And, and it's limitless. I mean, you, you know, from your background, you know everything that you've ever achieved. I mean, the title of your book is Unbeatable Mind. Right. It's, uh, it's all there. It's all in the mind. It's, it's all there. So... Yeah, I love that. So what, what's so cool about a good martial arts and a good instructor like you is that you can lead someone 
to discover that for themselves. And we were talking earlier about how all the katas and forms and all that, those are, um, those are just tools. They're like, you know, arrows in your quiver and you use them to tame the mind. Yes. You think you're using them to learn how to, you know, kill somebody or defend yourself. And that's all important. But the still tamed mind doesn't get into a conflict. Yes. It's the most interesting thing. I've said this before and I'll say it again here. But when I didn't have total confidence as a human being, fights found me. Once I became a SCARS instructor and I actually knew, like, in, a, in the very most simple, precise way how to take another life. Never had another problem. Yeah. And it wasn't because people ran away from me or anything. It's just that the, the total confidence or something about that still point or that deep confidence that just like the matrix shifted. Yes. And all of a sudden, bad guys just stayed away. Yeah, there was no, I've never been challenged. You know, yeah. As I say this, someone's thinking, <laughs> someone's going to come in here. <laughs> <laughs> I dare yeah. you to come right now yeah. when Sifu and I are sitting here. Yeah, hey, I got your back, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that becomes like the art of fighting without fighting. Right. Right. The highest level at the end. And the, of it. at the master level, you know, in the old days, you know, the two masters would face each other and they, they could tell right then. Yeah. It was, they weren't even going to draw the sword. He's like, oh, was, he's got me. Right. I'm, I'm good to go. You could tell if yeah. someone was, uh, you know, it may not have been better than you, but if they were more present than you that moment and you had the uh, uh, fidelity or the perception, you know, perceptual capacity to see that, then they would just. Yeah. Yeah. One would bow to the other and they'd walk away. That's they it. wouldn't need the fight. No, no. It's fascinating. Do you have that level of mastery? <laughs> I think that uh, the only thing I'm a master of is being a student. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. yeah. There's no there there, is yeah, there? There is no. You know, there's, there's like, what did Bruce Lee say? Um, Don't pay attention to my finger pointing the way to the moon, right? right? You pay attention on the finger, the starting point, or the moon, you miss all the heavenly glory that's in between. Oh, that's I mean, true. You know? We're never going to get... He was such a poet, wasn't he? He, he was the man. Some of the things that he written in his journal. He really did. Profound. He was an avid researcher. That's the thing. Like, he was in that day, he was researching everything he could get his hands on. A lot of the quotes that he wrote were actually from other people. Yeah. And, and he just was putting them together and just looking to always make himself better, looking to find that uh, limitless potential that's within him. You no, know, let's talk about him. So he was murdered, wasn't he? How did he die? Or am I thinking of his son? His son. So his his son died of on the set of The Crow with. Uh, there was supposed to be a blank. There was supposed to be a blank, a and, and there was a, some kind of live round, something like that. Mm -hmm. And with with Bruce Lee, I mean, you know, the the medical community says he died of a of a brain uh, edema, hmm. and um, but that's that you know, there's many theories on that as to what what happened, what caused, and what caused it, and. Um, you know, what were the issues behind it and the people that he was dealing with at that time in his life. Um, Did he have some unsavory elements in his life because of the Hollywood connections? And well, it was because of the... Imagine this. So he went to Hong Kong. He's in Hong Kong now and becomes big in the Hong Kong movie industry. And now the big break comes and uh, it's with Warner Brothers in Hollywood. And the people that were pushing him there weren't allowed to come with him. He'd left them there to go over here. So there were a lot of people who were pissed off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can imagine the different people that are involved in that kind of industry that um, aren't too happy. Interesting, you know, the parallels. Like my the grandmaster I trained with, uh, Tadashi Nakamura, he's still cranking away in New York and just has an amazing 
tribe of warrior scholar athletes. He was the head instructor for Kokenshai, okay. Masayama's okay. group. Yes. And Masayama, who was famed for cutting the horn off yeah. of a charging bull. The god hand. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, again, that's like a very specific city or, or yes. skill, right, that he had developed. Anyway, so he sent Nakamura to the United States to kind of get the system up and running and starting in Manhattan. And so Nakamura did that for about 10 years, but then he didn't like the ethos or the value system of, you know, constant fighting and competition and pushing away kind of less advantaged people or less fit. And so, you know, you could say in a sense that there was a lot of ego in that organization and Nakamura, you know, had worked really hard to, to subdue the ego and yes. to be more selfless. So he left to start SEIDO, S-E-I-D-O. And guess what? The organization came after him. And he was shot in a dark alley and, you know, nearly avoided yeah. his life being taken from him. It's interesting how the martial arts world has all of these, like, shady kind of elements to it. There's a, there's a dark side for sure. Because it's the dark side, yeah. yeah. Those who are in it for the fame or the glory yeah. or the money, it's no different than business. If you're in it for... The wrong reasons, the outer material, the ego. At some point, misery will find you. Yeah, absolutely. But if you can uh, maintain your center, that still point, and do it for the right reasons, you know, like you could start a business that that serves, you know, humanity by, you know, doing whatever service you do, but also protecting the environment and, yeah. you know, be a conscious capitalist thing. And you're going to find much more meaning, right? You're doing yeah. things for the right reason. I think, I think martial arts, like when people ask me what business I'm in, I'm like, I'm in the business of courage, confidence, and clarity. Nice. You know, that's, that's that. really what we are doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you're giving people courage that they didn't have to honestly express themselves. Right. You're giving people confidence to deal with fear. And what's the biggest fear that everybody deals with these days? It's actually not like the, the fight or flight based fear. Right. It's the fear of what everybody thinks. Yeah. It's a fear of fear not being of not expected, measuring up. not being good enough, or not, not being, ex being enough, accepted, not making as much money as right. your neighbor. It's not like uh, house what's the biggest fear in the world today? It's public speaking. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, if you really think about it, you're going to go up and you're going to speak. You're not going to get shot. Nothing's going to happen to you. But they're afraid what people are going to think about them. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like the biggest. It's like robbing you of your life, your life force, your your purpose mm -hmm. here. And if you're worried about what somebody else thinks. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes you away from being who you are and honestly expressing yourself. And that's magnified with social media. Of course, because all they talk about is what's great, right? <laughs> Look how great my life is, right? And it's, uh, it's just a weird world we live in, especially now. But that's why I really think a lot of these traditions from martial arts and um, yoga, and ideas that really bring you back into the now, but also allow you to give you the, the tools to adapt. So right. when we're in the moment... Uh, I call it the high performance zone, right? It's easier to understand. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the high performance zone, you have like three superpowers that are available to you. And that's across the board. Mm -hmm. Number one is connectivity. Mm -hmm. Our ability to connect to A, ourselves, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and time and space where we are. And B, to people with us. Like you and I, we're connecting mm -hmm. right now. We're hanging out and having a conversation. Mm -hmm. We're connecting. Now, if I connect to you, I connect to my opponent. I learned to connect to my son and my wife through martial arts. I wasn't sure. too good at connecting to people until I learned how to use empathy and connect to my opponent. So it transferred over. Then the idea of being like water to adapt to any situation, mm -hmm. put water into a cup, becomes a cup, put water into a pan, it becomes a pan, mm -hmm. right? Water goes into a barrier, it can go around it. 
it can crash through it. Mm-hmm. And if it can't do those, it finds yeah. a little crack and, yeah, it, and goes yeah. through it, right? And, and that, that, that feature of adaptability and always making yourself comfortable in comfortable situations. And then I think most importantly, creativity. That idea of who are you really, that honest self-expression to create and let that person who you are out right. and to express yourself and create and, and carve a masterpiece of your life. Right. I mean, those things are only done in the moment. Right. I love that. And a lot of people think creativity is a skill. And to me, like creativity is just an expression of your authentic you, self. Yeah. The opposite of creativity is like collapse. Right, collapsing or contraction is probably a better word. Yes. So you can create, which is expressed from your heart center, or you can contract in, yes. and everything starts to close. All you, all that stuff that we call creativity, is closed off to you. You're absolutely right. And fear is the biggest killer of that. Right. And fear is what causes you to contract. Right. And love or connection, because courage. Expand. Those are all forms of love. Right. Yeah. You can have whatever word you use. It's on the positive spectrum. It's just a form of love. Yeah. That exposes us to our creative energy. Absolutely. And love, if you think about it, you can't have enough love to give to other people until you first have love for yourself. That's right. Because it's going to flow through you. You can't give it to somebody. I can't. Here's some yeah. here's some. Thanks, love. buddy. <laughs> give it yeah. back when you're done with it, maybe. Right. You know, you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you, you do it for the person next to you. Absolutely. And, um, and that's right there is probably one of, the biggest, <clears throat> one of the biggest challenges people have is they haven't been taught how to love themselves. Self-love. Because they're looking outward. Yes. And not inward. Even when you start meditation, you don't realize, well, I'm supposed to just sit here and, and uh, touch the void or experience God or no. What you're actually doing is turning those little flashlights of yours around yeah. and, and looking inward. That's it, man. And what are you going to find in there? A lot of people don't like what they see and so they avoid it. Yeah. But that's the point. When you look inward and if you see shame, that's your work. Work on that because that's a false identity you know, so that's appearing real. <laughs> Absolutely. A, a false evidence appearing real, as Tony Blower would say. I love that. False Absolutely. evidence appearing real. That's yeah. fear. It's not, it's not who you It's not really the reality. You know, like uh, people start meditation and they achieve the still point, they get there, and that's when they quit. Correct. Because now the feelings start to come up. Right. Everything that they and haven't dealt with. Like, it's oh. so uncomfortable, right? It's the worst feeling in the world. Right. I mean, I've been through breaking process after breaking process. And that's, you got to break down to break through. That's it. I like that. You know, you yeah. have to. You got you, to. You have to. You have structures. So just like if I want to build a new building here, I have to bulldoze this building first. Like, you know, I could build a building around it, but it wouldn't be optimal. Yeah. A lot of people try to build their buildings around the structures without breaking, without examining them, breaking or shoring them up. Yeah. And those underlying structures, like shame or or something, are weak, and so that energy is still there. And when it starts to collapse. It comes out as yeah. anger or anxiety or lack of confidence or fear. Absolutely. And meditation, I love what you said that when you get to this still point, that stuff, that's when it, that's when you can see because you've turned those two yeah. flashlights around and they're, they're rooting around in there. And all of a sudden they're like, holy shit. Yeah. There's something in there that's moving. It's a shadow. That's <laughs> why the you know, psychology profession calls it a shadow. There's a shadow in there. Absolutely. And it scares the you know what out of me. I don't want to look there anymore. There was a, a teacher of mine did a demonstration for me. And uh, he took a glass of water, and in the glass of water, he put uh, some dirt, the, and then the dirt settled to the bottom. And he says, this is who you are when you come here to me. 
And now when I teach you, this is what's going to happen. And you start to start the world of dirt around. So now the dirt is going all over the place. Mm-hmm. He goes, now this is where everybody quits because they can't handle the dirt everywhere. He goes, but you have to go through that to eventually get the dirt out of the cup so you're only left with the clear water. That's cool. And I think that, you know, there's a saying we say, um, the mind is the general. Mm-hmm. The body and emotions are the battlefield. Mm-hmm. The breath is the strategy. Mm-hmm. The chi or energy are your soldiers. And then the fighting spirit uplifts. So it's, it's, it's really very, very warrior-like because you got to go to war with those past emotions. Right. There's everything that you... And they're all important. General can't is, win a war alone. <laughs> everyone is important. And, and it takes energy to hold on to that. So like when we talk about, you know, we were saying perception before interception. So that higher level of, of, of martial arts or that higher level of business or whatever your field may be, athletics is that that extra uh, energy you have, that extra attention that then is given to attention and awareness that allows you to get in the zone. Michael Jordan wanted the ball every single time when the game was on the line. He was wanted the ball. He wasn't worried about missing. He wasn't worried about losing. And he, it happened a lot to him, but he wasn't worried about it. But he had that extra compartment of energy. And most of us, because we don't clear that part out, we're it's like we're... Um, Holding balls like a floating balls in a swimming pool. Each emotion hold is them holding down, holding yeah. down. I teach the same thing that any any one of those emotional patterns that we don't address. <clears throat> I use the metaphor of like dragging a kettlebell around. It's like you're dragging a kettlebell. Yeah. Or another way to look at this, this is kind of a cool uh, picture is that you have this vision uh, for what's possible in your life, right? Everyone's got a dream. Let's call it a dream. And that is like an attractive force. So we'll call that a magnet. It's trying to pull you forward. But all that emotional baggage that you have is like a bunch of rubber bands around you, yes. you know, tied to a rock. And so you, you come forward and you're like, you're trying to reach that vision. <laughs> and then these rubber bands just start pulling you back and you just start sliding and you dig your heels in and now you're sliding back to the rock. And you're like, why am I not getting anywhere? Or every time I get somewhere, I fall on my face. It's, it's this pull. Yeah. The energy of the negative emotions that hold you back and all that energy can be freed up to allow you to just spring forward to that vision. To let go and cut the cord to the past. Cut it, yeah. Because the ghost of the past, man, I mean, it's going to sound harsh. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's it, a figment it, it, of well, your imagination. It exists in your energetic field yeah. because you trapped it there. Yeah. And you have the power to go untrap it. Yeah. But only you have the power to do that. That's it. It's free will, right? Free will, yeah. yeah. Free will is not free, though, is it? No, it's got to be worked for. <laughs> you got to work for it, and also there's consequences to applied will. Yeah. Right? So you have to um, appreciate that we all have free will as humans, but there's consequences. Yes. So free will is not free. You have no. to deal with those consequences, positive or negative. Exactly. That's the law, right? That is the, the law. Of the day. Karmic. The karmic law effect. Karma. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's um, awesome. Hey folks, I want to bring your attention to a product developed by a Navy SEAL friend of mine who was a doctor. Uh, first he was a SEAL, then he became a doctor, and then he went back and worked with the SEALs. His name is Doc Parsley. Some of you might have heard of him by now. We call him the sleep doc. All these SEALs were starting to come to him and, and you know, with these symptoms that looked like adrenal fatigue. And so he started treating adrenal fatigue and he realized that the common denominator with all these guys that they weren't sleeping. It's pretty big problem in military spec ops with the pace of operations and combat. And these guys were just all out of whack. Cortisol was racing their body. Their hormones were depleted. And, you know, they had the, essentially the, the testosterone level of 
13-year-old girls is the way he jokes about it. They had a big problem. And what he found is that they were working out like madmen, but they're putting on weight. Their you know, cognitive level was like they were drunk. Anyways, they, were, they had this perception that they could perform, but they just couldn't perform anymore. And it was a real problem. So he identified that the common denominator was lack of sleep. So even an hour of not enough sleep a night over the course of a year is going to lead to 14 pounds of weight gain and could degrade your performance by up to 30%. Throws your testosterone, your growth hormones, in, in insulin sensitivity all out of whack. And it's going to create emotional uh, instability, decision-making um, challenges, impulse uh, control challenges, and decrease your willpower. Basically, your prefrontal cortex is compromised. So what he did is he, he went around and he, and, he, and he said, go buy this, buy this, buy this, and then you know, start taking it, and it worked. And so they said, well, this is a pain in the neck to buy all this. Can you, can you put it all together into one thing? And so that became Doc Parsley's sleep remedy. I tried this recently at our Unbeal Mind Summit, and it worked really, really well. I, I kid you not. Like I took it, and I fell asleep within 20 minutes, and uh, I didn't have any grogginess when I woke up. I thought it was great stuff. So um, I told him I wanted to uh, let my folks know about it, let you know people who are listening to this podcast know about it. And he offered everyone a 10% off. So if you want to try Doc Parsley's Sleep Re- Remedy, uh, which is essentially a, it's just a supplement, it's a nutritional supplement, it's all natural stuff, which creates a normal cascade of the physiological things that are supposed to happen when um, you're going to go to sleep. But a lot of us don't have that cascade or don't have that stuff happening anymore because of our lifestyle. So this will kind of stimulate um, proper you know, preparation for sleep and, and, the, and the sleep cycles. Um, he has an unlimited, no questions asked, money back guarantee. Um, you can't beat that. So go to docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, all, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND, when you check out to get 10% off. And uh, highly recommend it. Who ya? Where are you going from here? Like, what's next for you? Are you trying to grow from 50 to 250 schools? Uh, no, um, I'm, I'm focused more on uh, the core instructors that I have right now. Okay. But really my focus is... Making like, sure that you're replicable and repeatable and the standards are there. And yeah, yeah. And, and I want them to find their version of themselves. Nice. Because I don't want them to copy me. Right. You know, I believe like in martial arts, so for example, Bruce Lee was amazing. He's a uh, uh, guiding light. But I don't want to be Bruce Lee. No, you can't be. I have to be ourselves. I want to be me, right? I don't want to be Bruce Lee. I have one life and I can be inspired by him, but I don't want him to be me. Or actually, I don't want to be him. And right. similarly with my students, you have to like lead them to their greatness and, and who they truly mm-hmm. are. But lately I've been really, but my focus has been is working more with executives mm-hmm. and working more with corporations and kind of going towards that sector with, um, you know, I have a, a course I do called Battlefield Strategies for Business. Oh, cool. Where we, we talk about things from the art of war and mm-hmm. Sun Tzu and Miyamoto Musashi, mm-hmm. but it's balanced with uh, practices to actual, actual yeah. practices where you, that they themselves, the individual taking part is much more important than, than the endeavor, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, every, oftentimes people think you can train your body, you can train your mind, and you train your craft. But there's also the spirit, mm-hmm. but everybody's just really working on the craft, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's, oh, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to work harder. What about taking a look at the individual taking part and how do we make that person better? First, physically, you got to be strong, mm-hmm. you know, and 
which I've heard you say many, many times, mm -hmm. the body is the temple. If you don't look good, feel good, feel strong, like you could do anything, you're in pain, it's, it's going to impact you. It's going to impact you yeah. at all levels. On all Relationships levels. Relationships can impact your yeah. sense of self, your confidence. Exactly. Then the mind. Can you still the mind? That's a, something you have to train. So, you know, where they call it meditation, mindfulness, whatever, it's really recalibrating yourself into the moment. Right. I really like to tell my people, recalibrate. So that the present moment is yours to recalibrate to whenever you uh, choose to or whenever you catch yourself out of the moment. Mm -hmm. So recalibrate to that and set yourself up for success. And then find out who you truly are, your spirit, right? So the spirit definition in the Tai Chi is the thoughts of the mind and the feelings of the heart. Mm -hmm. What are they at any given moment in time? What is it that you say to yourself when things get um, not so good, when things are uncertain versus what is it you say to yourself when you're winning? So you have to be able to take what do you say to yourself when you're winning and apply that to what do you say the to yourself moments, in the right? darkest moments. That's integration. Yeah. Right? And that's the integration. That's the skill we have to I love develop. that Kokoro, which we have a program called Kokoro Camp where we train and, and challenge people to find that essence. Yes. And then Kokoro Yoga. Kokoro means merging your heart and mind into Very your cool. actions. Very cool. And again, these are concepts that seem foreign because they're Eastern, but they're universal. Yeah. And they're really important for us here in the West because we've been so one-dimensional. We've been all yang, yeah. no yin, and that is madness because, you, you know, you, and it doesn't mean you're weak when you have the yin. You're actually stronger. Like for any uh, guy listening to this, if you're all yang, you're just about ready to break. If you haven't broken already, you, something's going to snap. It's unsustainable. Yeah. You need the yin. You need the recovery. You need to surrender a little bit to you know, soften up a little bit. And something I'm working on, consider the metaphor of a, a big tsunami blowing through. And do you think that strong, you know, the mighty oak or the little willow reed or the reed, you know, yeah. is going to be standing at the end when the tsunami goes through? It's not the oak. Nope. It's the reed. It's always the reed. Yeah. And so um, we need more of that yin in our society. And it doesn't mean we need to be feminine, actually. That's what people mistake it. This doesn't mean... I mean, you and I are not feminine, but I stretch the imagination, <laughs> right? No, not at all. But cultivation of the yin is one of our more, our more important work because yes. there's so much yang. And especially as physical warrior athletes, we, you know, a lot of that yang is meant to be trained and developed in your 20s and 30s. But then, you know, you're naturally supposed to go more toward the yin, but our society keeps you focused on that. And that's why people get injured and they burn out and... And you mm -hmm. get depressed. Get depressed. And you're like, oh, my best years are, are behind me. Yeah. All I, that mean, like, I mean, that's, really? a, that's a bunch of crazy. We're just getting warmed yeah. up. <laughs> at, at, I just turned 40 in, in sure. August this last year. And at 40 years old, I could destroy the 20-year-old version of me in any physical test, anything. Boom. doesn't even compare. 100%. I could say that right now about the 54-year-old me. I'm much stronger. Much more prepared, much more resilient than I was at 20, 25, even as a Navy SEAL. I had some That's amazing, you know, in the SEAL teams. Yeah. And I was still training. Yeah. But the training in the SEALs went heavily yang. Yes. And they're starting to get wise to it. We've had the SEALs up uh, visiting our training. And because they, you know, the word is out. Like a third of the guys who get through SEAL training have trained with SEAL fit. And I'm teaching them breath control through process amazing. called box breathing. I'm teaching them 
what I call the witness process, yes. which is meditation. It's mindfulness yeah. meditation, but yeah. I give them the practical tools and terms. Absolutely. I divorce it from, I said, I take the foo out of the Kung Fu. Because <laughs> yeah, otherwise you might just have master fooling you in front yeah. of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They don't want that. They yeah. just want the practical, you know, and, and that's what I think the business world wants. They want yeah. practical. Give us something. But you can't hack your way to that still point. No. No, I think that's the... The word hack is thrown around. Like everybody wants a hack for everything. This takes work. It takes work. This takes work. But here's the thing, and I think you agree with it. Once you start and once you develop a appreciation for the work, it's fun. It's joyous. And it becomes as necessary to your daily life as yes. eating, sleeping, and 100%. training physically hard. You know? 100%. It is your anchor. It's your anchor point. It's your anchor point. And then from that point, everything happens. So when I'm lifting a kettlebell, it's I'm it's the same thing. I'm in the same place as if I'm doing Tai Chi. Right. I'm in the same place if I'm swimming in the ocean. Right. I'm in the same place if I'm hugging my son. It's that that place of freedom. And we could do it in anything. We could do it right now when we're talking to each other. Yeah. We do it when we're walking along, driving on the freeway. And then when we're in that that place where all of life actually happens. Yeah, all everything's there. Everything is there. Every Buddha said you can find enlightenment in a single breath if you pay attention. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's such a simple thing, but it's it's pretty uh, yeah. it's pretty complex. The, the most complex and profound concepts are also the simplest. Yes, sir. But you know what? Again, we're 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 taught to be infatuated with complexity and with uh, increasing diversification of things into more things. We see that in the material world. We see that in, in education. You know, yeah. like, what are you studying? You know, yeah. I'm studying, you know, there's like a 10 word sentence that comes after it. And it's like the smallest little thing. Yeah. But if you yeah. just studied just it. the single point focus and learn to be present, you would know all of that. Boom. Instead of having that, That's a microphone drop right there. Yeah. Boom. It, it truly is. Because, um, like talking about studying, when I went to university to do my engineering degree, I didn't like it, didn't want to do it, didn't even know what it was. I just did it because like, oh, I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to be a millionaire one day and I'm going to get my sports car and buy a house. It's <laughs> <laughs> like me going to get my MBA. I'm like, I haven't used anything except for the three letters. It was ridiculous. It was, it was freaking ridiculous, yeah. right? None of it had anything to do with anything. And it was only like when you start to look inside and say, okay, who am I? That question, who are you? That's it. But that's one of the most famous, uh, I think it was Nagujana who came up with that, or maybe it was... Uh, a famous uh, Indian yogi, that was his primary practice, it was a meditation of, on who am I. Yeah. And it was, you know, as, as you get more and more deep into that meditation over the years, you know, your appreciation of yeah. you keep who, peeling away who it is at that still point yeah. gets more and more clear. You get closer and closer, like peeling the, the layers of yeah. an onion away, and you get happier. And then all the ego stuff, all the yeah. outer representations of who you are fall off. And yeah, you can be more and more happy, more and more peaceful, less attached. It's the stories from the past, right, that we think define us. And that's really what we have to let go of the, 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 uh, from our experiences, from the experiences of people teaching us, bringing us up. So we're confined to those boxes. The only thing that we know for sure is that those experiences are very tiny to the vast openness of the universe that is actually there. And that's really right. possible. And the universe wants to flow. And when you hang out of those, as those experiences, you're actually in contradiction to what the universal energy wants you to be. 
Yeah. And how could you be happy? Right. You need to let those go and just let the energy flow through you. And yeah. that's what Tai Chi and the mar- a good martial arts uh, program will help you do. Yeah. But it doesn't ha- you don't have to join a dojo, right? All you need to do is learn how to one move, breath. breathe, move, yeah. and sit, still your mind. Still your mind one breath at a time, one movement at a time. Right. You could even find it in throwing a baseball. Right. You could find it hitting a tennis ball. You could find it walking. Yeah. You know, it's, awesome. it's really cool. You've got a book coming out. I heard you use the term earlier. Boxing, mind boxing? Yeah, mind boxing, how to win the war within. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So it's out in November. Yes, sir. Um, so people won't necessarily be able to run out and order it right now because I think this podcast will probably be launched in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, where can people find more about you and, and stay in touch so you know they can be ready for that? And we'll, we'll promote that, by the oh, way. Thank you. I appreciate that. appreciate it. Um, they can go to mindboxing.com okay. um, or sifusing.com. Okay. Uh, S-I-F-U-S-I-N-G-H. And that's the that's kind of my two main Bible. places there. And then for, you know, the social media handles, Sifu Singh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, uh, Facebook. You can awesome. find me there. Mind boxing. Yeah. Let's go. Three, two, one. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay, the war is- I win. <laughs> you always win, man. I declare myself yeah. a winner. Yeah, because yeah, that war is always within, right? Absolutely. 24-7, 365. And when we, when we knock that, voice out in our heads yeah. and replace it with a positive voice and then go beyond to the right. no mind. Right. Uh, Beginner's mind. Yeah. I love the, the Zen concept of mu, M-U. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, which is no mind or no thing. And that was a koan. Yeah. So, you know, and the Zen monks would have you meditate on what that, what is no thing? Yeah. And these are unsolvable until you get into that still center point and then you, you realize that that's the point. That's the point. There's not a concept. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so big, so vast, so impossible to articulate with the limited thinking monkey mind, egoic mind, that you got to stop trying. And when you surrender, that's when the truth is revealed. That's it, man. So structure and unconditional yielding, right? Right. You've got to structure the that's form. Like closed fist. I got to yeah. drop this. That's the form, right? But then you got to have the unconditional yielding in your face. Right. That's the surrender. The yin and yang. What's that there? The answer is in that symbol. The meaning of life. <laughs> it is. It's, it's in that, the S. Yeah. That's Go why it's called there. the grand ultimate. And, you know, Tai Chi translated as uh, grand ultimate boxing. Interesting. Tai Chi Chuan. Yeah, the grand ultimate the supreme grand ultimate. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, so you find it in there, yeah. and um, when you can let go, and I think that's the key thing—you let go of what's going to happen, and you're right here, right now. I mean, like Bruce Lee said, "I didn't hit; it hit all on its own." Right. Right. Because if I'm thinking about, if we're you know, if we're sparring or something like that, and I'm thinking about you, you hitting me or me hitting you, I mean, I'm in the past. Right. Right. And then if I'm in this state of. Uh, in the moment, in from in the moment, feeling we're in the present. But then, if I can project forward, I can go to the future, mm-hmm. and it's such a cool thing, you know. And it's uh, really limitless. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, I think it takes discipline and it takes uh, effort. It takes a lot more effort to stand still for thirty minutes mm-hmm. than to do a hard workout. For sure, one hundred percent. Right, I'm sure it you is. Agree hard hard work yeah. but the the gain from just let's say 15 minutes the value the gain from 15 minutes of standing meditation a day is worth a hundred thousand hours of workouts <laughs> yeah 
you know, it's just extraordinary what yeah. will come from that. That your change of perceptive reality, you know, the clarity, the energy, the alignment of the spine with the breath. And that's why standing meditation is the ultimate practice, yeah. I believe. I yeah, not absolutely. seated, not kneeling, not laying down, standing, and not yeah. moving like in yoga or you know, a form. That's different, right? Because now you have a goal and you know. You're you have memory involved. Yeah, there's a lot of st structure, mental structures when you're doing a form. Except at the at the very highest level, the structures appear to fall off, but you're still following a pattern. So ultimately, standing still drops all the external structures away, and now you're just left with the internal. Yeah, yeah, and then I think at the the very highest level, because when you the form starts to play you. So then you don't have to, I mean, we're talking standing. Without the standing, that'll never happen. Right. But you can get to that one point where you're not doing it anymore and then the energy starts to move you right. and the form starts to play you and then you have a free form right. and you're just floating and, and that, that's a, they call it the Tai Chi flying, right? Yeah. It's a cool a feeling. Practice too. You know, what I really appreciate about you is um, you have brought in this, these ideas of the breathing and the stillness the more Eastern approach to that strong Western side, mm -hmm. which I think is very important in educating the public mm -hmm. with the people you reach, because it's very hard to um, convince the West mm -hmm. of, of the true power of bringing the two together. Right. We bring the two together. I mean, yeah. that's, the uh, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion and you and I could do this for hours and hours and hours, I'm sure. Uh, no, it's a real we, pleasure. We might end up boring people. So. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Honor to meet you and to your listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, we uh, appreciate you being here and I look forward to more. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right, All right folks. That was unbelievable. So Sifu Singh, go to check out um, mindboxing.com. Uh, we'll promote his book when it comes out in November. Um, you might want to listen to this episode uh, a few times. <laughs> There's some real gems in there. And uh, we're, we both of us stand by to help you on your journey and your path. And we're in this together. And uh, we also need good teammates because we're doing this to help the world be a better place. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Giving. Give to receive. Yeah. We are. And on that, we are done here. Signing off from Carlsbad, California. Till next time, train hard, stay focused, and ride the S. Right, yes, I like that. Out here. Ooh, yeah. Lock it low, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the UDT. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, you've got an idea for a business the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. 
source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.